Welcome to the Evangel Temple Youth Ministries Podcast. You're about to listen to another message from Pastor Isaac Worley. We pray that this message would be instrumental in God speaking to you and drawing you closer to Him. Now, here's today's sermon. So, we're going through the book of Philippians, and we're going verse by verse, looking at everything that it has to say, and it says a lot. It says a lot. Um... Tonight, we've been going, well, if you guys remember the last few weeks, we've been going through uh, this concept of obedience, because Paul really spends a long time on this concept of obedience, how to do it, how to do it with a good heart, Um, but tonight, it actually takes a little bit of a break on this concept of obedience, and we're just going to follow with what the text goes, uh, where the text goes. Whatever Paul talks about, we're going to talk about. And so we're actually really not on this concept of obedience uh, anymore. This is almost like a one-week standalone. But uh, it's, I think it's perfect for tonight. Just in uh, the last couple weeks leading up to it, um, I've been doing studying for this stuff for a long time, sermon writing, you know, a little later. But uh, I've been studying this for quite some time now. And the last few weeks, I've just, this is, this is perfect for I think the season where many of us are at, uh, what this text is going to talk about tonight. And um, so let me, let me talk a little bit about that and where we're going to be going with it. Uh, it's not on obedience, but exactly what we need to hear. I think we face a lot of the times, you and I, uh, really just modern Christianity, American Christianity, we face this this problem with individualistic Christianity, if you guys know what I'm talking about here, where we make our faith journey our own, and that's it. Nobody else. We show up to church. Maybe you guys show up to church, and you're a part of church. You're, you're faithful and coming, but really, when you uh, take inventory of the things that are happening in your life, your community around you doesn't know anything about it, and you're silent about your personal faith walk, your personal struggles, uh, your current relationship with God, um, everyone else is blind to it. And the person that's struggling um, is not the only person that has something to grow in that. The person that is sitting next to them who never asks how they're doing um, and never is trying to insert themselves into that person's faith walk also has some growth uh, to do. And so what I'm seeing in my life, as well as so many others, maybe many in this room, is that we make our walk with God individualistic, and that's it. I'm doing this walk on my own, and though I'll show up to church, I'm not letting anyone else in. And Paul talks about this, and I think, (laughs) sometimes Paul drives me crazy, to be honest. If you're just reading the New Testament, you read Paul. Um, One, he's really hard to understand sometimes. Even other authors in the Bible acknowledge that Paul is hard to read. So that's actually in the Bible. Paul is hard to read. Um, Peter says it. But... um, he also digs to the heart of a few issues that really just, they hurt when you start to consider it because they, they're so real and so applicable. Uh, and this is one of them. He drives to the heart um, that we need to be a community that cares for one another. And it drives to the heart that we need to be a community where we seek out others caring for us. Both ways. He shows us that church needs to be communal not just putting on these faces and these masks that y'all show up to church, I'll be a part of the community, but in all reality, I'm not. 
He attacks that concept, and he says, no, you need to be a part of the community, truly be a part of the community. And, uh, and, we, and we're going to be looking at that tonight. In fact, we're going to be looking at three lessons, I think, that he teaches in this passage. We're going to be looking at 11 verses, uh, Philippians chapter 2, if you want to write that down, Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. We're going to finish out chapter 2 tonight. And uh, in these 11 verses, I think it's 11, maybe 12, I'm not sure, um, we're going to look at three lessons that we can learn about caring for one another and how we should, how we should do that. So let's read the text and, uh, and move on from there, okay? You guys ready? You got your passages open. I've got mine right here. Fancy blue. It's not black like your guys's, but let's read it. It says, verse 19, I hope in the Lord, this is Paul talking to the church in Philippi. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you. So that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him, no one like Timothy, who will be genuinely concerned for your well-being. That's the kind of person Timothy is. He says, for they, that's all these other people, will seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How, as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it goes with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I may myself might also come. He then starts talking about the second person. Not only Timothy, but he says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker, fellow soldier, your messenger, and a minister to my needs. So Epaphroditus does a whole bunch of stuff. And this is why he wants to send him for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Catch that. That's a really weird thing to be distressed about. He wants to see you, or I want to send him for he has been longing for you and he has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I'm the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. That's the passage tonight. A whole lot about two guys, Timothy and Epaphroditus, that will do anything for other people and they're concerned for other people's well-beings. They care about the people around them. They care about the people around them. I think we can learn a lot about Timothy and Epaphroditus and their care for the people around them. If you actually just stop and think about it, just in general, right, zoom out a little bit. Philippians is Paul talking a whole lot about do this, make sure you do that, work on this, uh, think about Christ, serve one another. But then he just stops and says, I'm really excited, by the way, I want to send Timothy to you. And, and also, I'm really, I feel like it's necessary to send this guy named Epaphroditus to you. And he just talks about them. And then he goes right back into what he was talking about. So if you just stop and think about it, I mean, logistically, Paul, why did you, why did you put these two things in there? I, I want to send Timothy to you. He's a great guy, cares about a lot of people, genuine care. And also, I feel like it's necessary to send Epaphroditus. It's like, Paul, why are you saying this? Why, why do you feel the need to tell us that? 
feels like it's a random inclusion to the book of Philippians, but actually it's not. If you zoom out and you pay attention to the context of what he has already said, he's actually showing two beautiful examples of what it looks like to do what he's already commanded in a previous part of the book. Let me, let me say that again, okay? So he commanded earlier in the chapter, Philippians chapter 2, to do something. Two things, actually. And then now, later on, he starts describing two men who he wants to send, and they are perfect examples of that previous command he gave earlier on. And we need to see that. And so um, let me read the earlier command that I'm talking about, and we're going to see how Timothy and Epaphroditus live these commands out perfectly to where we can see their example and say, okay, we need to be like Timothy and Epaphroditus. They show us how to do these commands well. Does that make sense? These guys are examples of this command. This command is in Philippians chapter 2, so the same chapter we're in right now, but verses 3 and 4. It's really earlier on the chapter. Let me read it. He says, do nothing from selfish ambitions or conceit, but in humility, here it is, count others more significant than yourself. Verse 4, let each of you look not only on his own interest, but also to the interests of others. So these are the two verses that I think Timothy and Epaphroditus show perfectly in how to do, how to do it well. How to do it well. If you guys remember um, a few weeks ago when we actually looked at this passage, um, Let's, let's focus on verse four right here. Let each one of you look not only on his own interests, but also at the interests of others, right? If you guys remember this a few weeks ago, I actually talked about um, how it's really good to, you know, dream for yourself. Maybe this will start clicking some of the memories of this, this um, sermon, but it's, it's good to dream, right? You guys have dreams? You guys have things like, I want to do this? <laughs> no. <laughs> you, you want to do things in your life, and it's good to do those things, but it's also good to dream for other people, to think about how to help other people. These are some examples that I pulled from my sermon a few weeks ago. It's good to think about how to achieve your dreams, but I hope you're also thinking about how you can help others achieve their dreams. So, Look not only on your own interests, but also at the interests of other people. I also gave the example, it's, it's probably true that most of us are thinking about our holiday plans, especially now, it's even closer. But maybe we should stop and think about, what is this person doing for Christmas? Is this person going to have a family to open presents with? Don't only think about your interests, but think about the interests of the person sitting next to you. Um, it's important. I also gave the example of... Um, Yes, you should probably be thinking about what makes you happy, what brings you happiness, but it's also important that you don't just stop there, but you also think about what would make this person happy, what would make this person joyful. We should be thinking about the interests of other people. This is a command in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. And I think Timothy is a beautiful example of this. Now, you guys ready for this? Look at the screen, okay? So, um, We've never done this before, but I threw this verse up on the screen to split screen it, okay? Pretty cool, pretty nifty. Do you see this? Verse four, right there, poof, right there, all right? Split screen. I think Timothy fulfills this verse perfectly, and I think we should look at it. So pull up this text that is for tonight. We just read it. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him 
Who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare? And look what he says in verse 21. For they all, talking about all these other people, for they all seek their own interests. So this is Paul saying, Timothy's not that guy. I told you back in Philippians 2.4 to not only look at your own interests, but look at the interests of other people. Now we get to Timothy later on in the chapter, and he's like, Timothy does that. Timothy does that. Timothy will genuinely be concerned about how you're doing. Timothy's the type of guy that when he comes and visits you, and I hope to send him soon, he's going to come and look you in the eyes and be genuinely concerned for how you are currently doing. And he's not like all those other people that are just concerned about their own interests. No, he's concerned for your interest. He's concerned for your interest. And I want to stop here and acknowledge something. He's, Paul's not saying Timothy's going to fix some specific problem that's happening in the Philippian church. Okay? Timothy's not coming to go fix the, this, this dispute between a married couple and the church. He's not showing up to show, um, hey, the church leadership needs to be doing this and correcting that. He's not coming for a specific issue. He's not coming to correct and rebuke a certain person. He's coming not knowing what's happening and just there in general concerned for their well-being. He doesn't have an agenda. He doesn't know what he's going to be addressing. He doesn't know how he's going to be helping. He just knows in general, I'm going to be concerned for how you're doing, and we'll figure it out when I get there. You know, because of that, I think that's going to force Timothy, or would have forced Timothy, to look, to pay attention to how people are doing, what's happening in their lives. It would force Timothy to be observing people, to slow down his own life, to pay attention to how this person acts. Are they reserved? Are they to themselves? Are they closed off? Are they angry? Are they bitter? He didn't come for a specific thing to fix. He came to be genuinely concerned about how other people are doing. And so that forces him to slow himself down and observe and to look, to pay attention. It forced him to be aware of other people, to be genuinely, truly aware of other people and what's going on in their lives. And so the first lesson I think we can learn from Timothy is this, that caring for other, other people or caring for others requires a genuine concern for their well-being. It means slowing down, truly paying attention, truly looking, and maybe, ready for this? This might be scary. Maybe it would require asking, hey, how are you doing? And whenever they say, yeah, I'm fine, because everyone just says, yeah, I'm fine, saying, no, seriously, how are you really doing? If you're going to be genuinely concerned, genuinely concerned, not just because that's just what you normally say whenever you say hi to somebody, hey, how are you doing? Doing well, good. How about you? Doing well. And no, if you're going to be genuinely concerned about the person sitting next to you, don't be okay with whenever they just say, I'm fine. If we're going to be like Timothy and fulfilling Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, to not only look at your, your own interests, but the interests of other people, we need to be genuinely concerned for their well-being and not be okay with just a, I'm fine. I know a few of you guys showed up to this park outreach that we had a few, um, well, man, maybe it was a few months ago now, right? Um, man, that's crazy. A few months ago park outreach, and we were just going out there just trying to serve people, a really impoverished part of Springfield, and I remember this woman, guys, uh, it was 
It was really heartbreaking, to be completely honest. This woman, you could tell, um, she was either homeless or in a very, very um, rundown place that she was living in. You could just tell, I mean, the way she was dressed, um, uh, just how dirty her skin was, um, the things that she was carrying around with her. Um, it was apparent. There was no hiding it. She was, um, her life was hard. And Sarah and I came up to her and we asked her, hey, how are you doing? How's the day going for you so far? And she goes, yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. And just keeps walking. And this is when Sarah, I, I absolutely love this girl. She says, no, seriously, how are you doing? And like kind of walks with her. And, uh, and the woman, because Sarah kept kind of pushing, like, no, seriously, I want to know how you're doing. Like, I, I would like to actually know. I'd like to actually um, know and for you to unpack it. And uh, the woman goes, oh, you don't know. It's, it's just, uh, it's hard sometimes. You know, just general, it's actually, I'm not doing okay. And so Sarah's like, well, I would love to hear about that. That is a perfect example of how Timothy was also genuinely concerned for their well-being. And so this woman sat down with Sarah at this park bench, this picnic table, and uh, I let them be, but I noticed this woman just starts weeping about five or ten minutes in the conversation with Sarah, and she starts talking about how her daughter got pulled away from her, and now she lives in um, some other state with... Um, I think like the aunt or, or the great-grandma or something, um, someone else, because the mom just wasn't fit to take care of her daughter at the time, and so she's just, I want, I want to see my baby again, and, and so Sarah's there, and she ends up praying for the woman, but that right there, guys, that is a beautiful example of what Paul is telling us to do in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, to not only look at your own interests, but look at the interests of other people, and then Timothy, he says, I want to send you guys Timothy, because I have no one like him. Because he will be genuinely concerned for your well-being. Not just like those other people that are concerned about their own interests, but he will look you in the eyes and he will be genuinely concerned for you. And I think you and I can learn a lot from Timothy about that. Caring for others, caring for the people in this room, the people that are your family. You need to be genuinely concerned for their well-being. That's the first lesson. Then... Um, we go back to this Philippians chapter 2, and not only does he say to let each one of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of other people, and Timothy did that really well. But then you look at this top part, verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, here it is, count others more significant than yourself. This is what he's telling us to do. Count others more significant than yourself. And just like Timothy, being a perfect example of verse 4, I think Epaphroditus is a perfect example of verse 3. I think Epaphroditus shows us later in the chapter how to do this well. And I think so you and I need to look at what he says about Epaphroditus here in this passage today, today and learn how to be like him and counting others more significant than ourselves. So, split screen. See that? Yep. Verse three. Poof, right there. Yeah. Split screen. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. This is Epaphroditus. Let me show you how, because I think I can. This is what he says about Epaphroditus. He says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker and fellow soldier, your minister and minister to my needs. This is why Paul wants to send Epaphroditus, his brother, a fellow worker, a fellow soldier, and minister to his needs 
Verse 26, for he has been longing for you and has been distressed because he heard, because you heard that he was ill. It's a really weird concept. He wanted to go see them because he was upset that they knew he was sick. Have you guys ever had that feeling? Okay, this might be weird, but this might help you to kind of track with where Epaphroditus was. Have you ever had that feeling where you kind of feel bad that other people know what's going on in your life and now they have to help you or deal with it and feel bad for you? You guys ever feel that feeling where you're like, oh, man, I'm sorry, I, I'm a burden on you. You know, you, you know that feeling, right? You know that feeling. I think that's Epaphroditus. He was distressed because you heard that he was ill. So now he's like, I gotta go and comfort them. It's like, bro, you're the one that was ill. He's like, I need to go and comfort them. I, I feel terrible. They're, they must be worried about me. They must be concerned. And if you actually keep reading, maybe you have it open right now. Check me on this. Verse 27 says, his sickness was so bad that he was actually near death. He says, yes, he, he certainly was ill, actually near death. He was about to die. So this is Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus's condition. He was about to die on his deathbed. He's like, they knew. They, they knew about my sickness. I gotta go comfort them. It's like, man, look at Philippians 2.3. Count others more significant than yourselves. Care for them more than yourself. That is a hard thing to do, but I think Epaphroditus did it pretty well. He's concerned for their well-being because they're worried about his dying. <laughs> that is mind-boggling. Now, I, I, want, I want you guys to catch this. This is, not, um, this is not at all Paul condoning like, um, well, I just don't want to tell them that. I'm not going to tell them what's going on in my life. That's not at all what Paul is saying. We see all throughout Scripture that you should bring your sins or your struggles before others that they can um, build you up and they can also bear that burden with you. Christ talks about that in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Paul says to bring um, your sins before other people and the elders of the church would come and pray over you. It's James. So this isn't Paul saying, well, you know what? You just try to keep your struggles away from other people's ears so they don't have to deal with it and you don't have to be a burden. No, 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 no. You need to tell people when you're struggling. You need to tell people whenever you're hurting. You need to tell other people when you're needing help. That's definitely true. You need to do that. But it shows Epaphroditus' heart that he was distressed for them because they were worried about his well-being. And I think this leads to my second point, a lesson that we can learn, and that that is caring for others doesn't stop when you also have things going on in your own life. Epaphroditus had things going on in his life. Epaphroditus was about to die. He was so sick, and yet he was concerned for other people's well-beings. Guys, to be so upfront and frank with you guys, you might have things going on in your life that it seems it's just completely consuming everything that's happening in your life, but I promise you, you're not alone. Other people are also hurting, and other people need your help, need your comfort, need your care. And so it is not at all disregarding what is happening in your life, but I want you to, say, I want you to hear that even though you have things going on in your life, it doesn't excuse you from helping them and what's happening in their life. You guys catch that? That is so important. Even on your deathbed, may we still be concerned about the well-being of other people and how they're doing and how they're handling it, how they're handling the things in their life. 
I don't doubt that you have things in your life that you're dealing with and it's just completely taking so much of your energy, emotional energy, physical energy. But don't let that cloud your vision in seeing the needs of other people and coming up to them and asking them, I, I want to be here for you. It's kind of a funny, uh, funny story. Sarah uh, went on a hospital visit with me, I think last year sometime. It was a while ago. And, uh, you know, that's just part of the pastoral stuff. You go to hospital visits. And, and we went to one. And, um, and it's actually a really weird phenomenon. But uh, some people get really, like, queasy just being in a hospital. Just being in a hospital really, like, just wigs them out. Well, that's Sarah. And so... Um, we go on this hospital visit, and we didn't know this at the time that that was kind of Sarah, but we're visiting this guy who his wife is um, in a coma and nearing death. It looks like she's probably going to die soon. And uh, he's there holding her hand and just really just concerned. He's upset, obviously. And uh, Sarah and I are trying to be there for him. Well, it hits Sarah, and she faints. And I'm not kidding you. This is a true story. You need to ask her about this. Um, she is like, Isaac, I'm like, you know, like getting really wobbly. And so like, she like falls over and the nurses come running in and they're like trying to be there for her. And the husband is concerned for her. He like, let's go. And he, he gets out on the floor. And he's like, what can I do for you? Can I get you some water? Can I get you uh, some food? What, how can I help? And he's like asking the nurse. He's like the kindest man in the world. And his wife is about to die on her literal deathbed. And Sarah, I remember she felt horrible at the moment. She's like, you should not be helping me right now. Uh, Go be with your wife. And, and he's like, no, 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 it's, it's okay. I, I just want to be here for you. And that still is like, drives her crazy. She felt absolutely horrible because she went there to go and support this guy. And it flipped roles where the guy that's mourning the soon-to-be death of his wife is comforting her because she just well, had a weak stomach, I guess. I don't know. And so uh, she's like, man, it just drives me crazy. I was supposed to be comforting him. And he started comforting me. Think that is a perfect example of this. Just because that guy had a lot going on in his life, just because that guy was really mourning, doesn't mean that he couldn't still see a need and be very attentive to it. Just because you have things going on in your life doesn't mean that you should be blind to the pain and the hurt and the need for care of the person sitting right next to you. And I mean that literally, the person probably sitting right next to you could use your help, every single one of you. I think that's the second uh, point that we have. And then not only does Epaphroditus show so perfectly an example of Philippians 2 verse 3 um, in his like, concern for them whenever he was sick, but also look at this, okay? This is wrapping up the text. Paul says, so receive him, receive Epaphroditus in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. And look at this. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So to give you the story, uh, the Philippian church wanted to provide um, goods and food because Paul was in jail and you're going to die if your loved ones don't provide the food for you because the jail people certainly won't at this time. And so um, the Philippian church gathers all this stuff up, care package, and Epaphroditus is like, I'll make the journey. I'll go bring it to him. And he almost dies on this, tri on this trek, on this um, trip. He's, he's going. He's trying to bring it. And in doing that, he almost dies. But he's wanting to do it for them and do it for Paul anyway. Count others more significant than yourself. And I think this leads to our third point here. Caring for others sometimes requires stepping into your own discomfort. 
And this is just the reality, a reality that I think many of us don't want to acknowledge or um, finally embrace when it actually hits. But sometimes being there for your neighbor, being there for your loved one, sometimes is an inconvenience. And we need to embrace that, realize that, and accept that, and do it anyway. Serving isn't always a convenience. Serving, much of the time, is very inconvenient and yet exactly what God wants you to do. Caring for others sometimes requires stepping into your own discomfort. It is so important to realize. The last thing I want you guys to notice before we wrap up here tonight, the last thing I want you to realize is the strong concept of family. This passage talks about family. If you go back to the the larger text, I hope to send to you Timothy, um, so that I too may be cheered of good news for you, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For um, they all seek their own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ. Get this at verse 22. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me. So there's this family bond that he acknowledges with Timothy. Look at Epaphroditus. Well, actually, yeah, 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 I, I forgot about this. First Timothy uh, verse one, chapter 1, verse 2. Paul acknowledges that Timothy's like his child all the time. To Timothy, my true child in the faith. 1 Timothy uh, 1, verse 18, just a few verses later. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child. So Paul's really just pushing this idea, we're a family. Timothy really realizes this concept of family. And it's not just Timothy. If you go back to the passage, talking about Epaphroditus, he says, I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my what? My brother. There's this concept of family here. And this is actually all over the Bible. Paul does it again in Romans 16 to wrap up the letter. He says, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So does Lucius and Jason. And this is a really hard one, but Sassipater, I think. Um, My kinsman. My family. My family. So guys, as I'm wrapping up here, I want you to get this, Okay. We are a family. We're a family. And we need to realize that. We need to acknowledge that. We need to show that we are a family to one another. We need to treat each other like family. We need to be there for each other like we're family. And we need to know that we have one another like we have family members so we can go to each other. Let me recap our lessons that we learned here, the three lessons, um, before we're done. Caring for others, um, there we go. Caring for others requires one, requires a genuine concern for their well being. And this takes intentional awareness, slowing down in your own life, slowing down in your own life to pay attention to the lives of the people sitting next to you, asking them, and not being okay with just, yeah, I'm fine, but genuinely wanting to know, how are you doing? I want to hear it. Slowing down to hear how the person sitting next to you is doing. Caring for others doesn't stop when you also have things going on in your own life. This is the easiest time to make your faith journey individualistic and shutting everybody else out. But we have to fight that temptation. Even when things are going on in your life, you also need to be there for others and care for them. Thirdly, caring for others sometimes requires stepping into discomfort for them. This speaks, guys, this speaks to the depth of love that we have for one another. When you're willing to step into caring for this person at your inconvenience, at your discomfort, at your expense, 
That shows your love for that person. I promise you, they will see your love for them when you're willing to sacrifice yourself for their well-being. Look at what Paul says in Romans 9, verse 3. He says, For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, my family, according to the flesh. So if Paul's willing to sacrifice eternity for the sake of the person sitting next to him, I would pray that we would be willing to sacrifice our temporal, our just short amount of time comfort for the sake of the person sitting next to you. That's so important. Caring for others sometimes requires stepping out in your discomfort for that person. So if I were to leave you guys with anything, I want you to care for other people. Care for one another in this room. Be intentional to seek out how they're genuinely doing and make it your personal goal to do everything you can for them. We're a family and we need to, we need to act like it. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you want to find out more about our youth ministry or any other ministry here at Evangel Temple, you can visit our website at etchurch.org. Thanks for listening and we hope to see you soon.